The music for today's episode is provided by Attaboy Jim. Follow him on Instagram at Attaboy Jim, which is A-T-T-A-B-O-I-J-I-M. Or go check out his website at attaboyjimbeats.com. Thank you. Five, four, three, two, one. What's going on, y'all? It's your boy, King Scythe, a.k.a. The Grim Reaper, a.k.a. Mr. Scythe, a.k.a. Scythe, a.k.a. Mr. Reaper, a.k.a. Everything Related With Death. And this is the This Is An Experiment podcast with your host, none other than I, King Scythe. All right, so let's get into it, man. Why the fuck did I decide to make a podcast? And shit, I'll tell you why. I decided to make a podcast because I wanted to provide value to y'all. You know, value in the terms of music business slash business, hip-hop, rap, tech, and a little bit of general conversation. Just to have that conversation with y'all and to give y'all something to fuck with. And before I get into that, because this is my preamble, you know, I want to talk about why I got into the, to hip-hop, like how I got into hip-hop and how I got into even wanted to be interested in music business and what the fuck interested me about tech and why I like talking tech. Uh, before I get into that, I basically want to talk about where the fuck I've been because I know some of y'all are probably wondering that. Like, damn, this nigga been gone. He ain't posted anything on his social media. So, what's up with that? Now, I'm going to tell y'all right now. So, Black Lives Matter movement. A couple months ago, when coronavirus really started to like really show its, its its ugly head and we had you know all the protests going on that was a time for me where that shit really emotionally did something to my spirit like I'm pretty sure it did a lot of motherfuckers but with me it was a thing where I got tired of seeing black person after black person get shot like y'all did and I just would wake up like angry sometimes you know and I wanted to make change. I wanted to, I wanted to do something. I want to definitely use my platform for good shit. But it was to a thing where I was so angry that I was like, I said, waking up angry. And I don't like to move off emotion. To move off emotion is to basically like be in a blind like fit of rage. Anger, that's passion, can be good when it's directed good. Uh, but if not, if you don't know how to control that shit, it's like a wildfire. And for me, I saw that shit, you know, starting to build up in me. And it was not a, it was not fun for me. So I was like, let me just take a step back and ask myself what the fuck I want out of life. Uh, what am I looking to do? Like, what are my next steps with everything going on? Coronavirus, a lot of different shit is about to change in a way that some of us ain't ready for. Some of us are. And... I definitely want to be one of those motherfuckers that's ready for it. And so that's what I did. I took that little hiatus. Little, look at me. I took that little hiatus to reflect, to, you know, develop myself, develop my craft, develop me as a person. And I'm in a real good space right now. Real nice place. I'll say that. And so that's where the fuck I've been. And so now that I address that, Actually, before I move on, there's something else I want to say. I can't change my skin color. <laughs> I can't do that. But I can give myself a reprieve. Like, I can't take a break from... And what I mean by I can't change my skin color is... I can't take a break from being black, obviously. 
So that's definitely something I want to say. You know, like I can't take a, a break from being black, but I can like maintain and try to like work with my mental, try to make sure I'm good there. So now that I said that, let's move on, man, and get into this because this is my preamble. I want to talk with y'all about how I got into hip hop. So let's start with it. To talk about my relationship with hip hop is to talk about like my relationships with my fathers, uh, mainly my stepdad, as it relates to music. And how I basically got into that is fourth grade, I'm gonna say, my stepdad would ride around in the car. He'd have his CDs in his lap or to the side, and he would play the motherfuckers. And he would play the old school stuff Cool Mo D, Busy B, Curtis Blow, Grandmaster Flash and the Furious Five, and, you know, the Sugar Hill Gang. And Sugar Hill Gang is actually one of the first hip-hop songs I ever learned. This is ironic because that's the first commercially successful hip-hop song to be considered, really. Like, the first one to really go gold. And for that, my pops, he would play these joints and it resonated with me so well. And it got to a point where I started to develop an obsession for it. I, I started to learn about the different names of different albums, definitely all the artists, you know, when when the album came out, memorize all the lyrics, uh, learn little facts about the album. It became an obsession that developed into an appreciation for hip hop. And I'll say in the sixth grade, that's probably when I wrote my first rap. <laughs> no, that's not probably, it's definitely when I wrote my first rap. And boy, if I could read the lyrics on that motherfucker, Fuck that, nah. I can't even remember them shits. And I'm not gonna give you guys the satisfaction of even like, even trying to attempt to remember that shit because that shit's cringy as hell. <laughs> but I'll say, that's when I wrote my first rap. And I started to just write and write and write and write and write. And I had this journal. And it got to a point where motherfuckers, you know, they caught the journal. You know, you try to keep something to yourself. Sometimes you can't keep it to yourself for too long. But my folks, my parents, they recognized my talent. And like the little kids around me who was reading the shit too, cringily. Yeah, them motherfuckers recognized my talent too. And it got to a point where I was like, oh yeah, I'm real good. So I started collaborating with dudes. I made a Facebook group where I would like battle dudes and like write raps in there and I was writing and writing and writing and writing so much uh, that I was getting good at it and that's a side note to y'all if y'all wonder if y'all got a passion for something when you do something without really wondering if it's work or practice and you get so good at it uh, that you don't like I said you just enjoy the fact of doing it and getting better at it at practicing like the, the small parts and aspects of it that's when you know you really got a passion for something and when you got a talent for something and it's one of my models that I live by is to enjoy the process when you enjoy the process of something you get better at something without really realizing it it doesn't feel like practice it doesn't feel like work to you and yeah that's a little gym for y'all so that's a small little tidbit about how I got into hip hop short little summary and I'm pretty sure it's stuff I'm gonna talk about as it relates to me growing up with hip-hop uh, in later episodes but to move on to music business how the fuck I got in the music business so as the story moves on right I'm gonna say it started in like high school 
I really was trying to figure out, you know, what the fuck I wanted to do in my life. And I was still rapping, still writing raps, still writing raps in high school. That shit did not give that up. So, ends up happening is, I start to really get into underground, just like I was in middle school. I got into so many underground MCs, and I started to notice a pattern with the underground and the mainstream. I was like, damn, you got motherfuckers over here who nobody know about. That's why you're underground, right? Damn. He knows this guy, or he actually did work with this guy, and you start making little connections, and then you started to notice patterns of, damn, there's a certain correlation to talent factor that sometimes doesn't weigh out, or it's like, damn, people should really, more people should really know about this motherfucker. And then I really developed cynicism for the music business because I started to say, yo, if you look at the type of music that they're putting out, it's like, damn, where's the diversity in this shit? And yeah, we got trends. Everything has, you know, every industry, life is full of trends. Life is full of shit that's popular, right? Just things that are mainstream that people do. But it's like, when you really started to see on the executive level how motherfuckers make decisions and how motherfuckers figure out who get famous, who makes how much and how much motherfuckers make. And you start to see how much of an artist's destiny they really have control over. And you start to, like I said, develop that cynicism. Me learning that and wanting to go in the rabbit hole, that's how I got in the music business. I started to say, damn, this person, he made this type of music, but he wasn't signed to the label or he was signed to the label, but they threw him to the side. You know, like you look at stories like outside of hip hop, like Lady Gaga, where if it weren't for Akon, Lady Gaga might not be as big as she is or she would probably still been famous but she would have took way longer to get what she is she was signed to Def Jam and here was somebody on a label who you know what I'm saying extremely talented super pop star now but back then image was different and the motherfuckers ain't know what to do with her because if they did she would have been bigger right Akon comes in and he says yo I want that motherfucker because shit don't look like they know what to do with her Hey, bro, come talk to me. Come to my office. Come over here. This is what we doing. Hey, that sound pretty good. Let me sign with you. And shit, propeller. Looking at things like that, where we start to say, damn, you know, here's one motherfucker who made it. But how many other motherfucker stories is like that? It's niggas on labels who will never be known. And they signed to Def Jam. They signed to Universal. They signed to these big majors. And you'll never know about them. Or you got motherfuckers who are underground who, you know, they got screwed over. Our labels, they got bad contracts. And people who just got the bad end of the music industry. Hundreds and hundreds of artists. The 1950s is filled with that kind of shit. Where you got people who got signed to basically fucking slaves contracts. Where you got motherfuckers who got contracts where they say they can't retire. That type of shit really got me thinking. I want to know as much about the music business as much as possible. And just to give y'all a few terms here to to stick with, right? Just to sort of illustrate my point. We're going to talk about one of my favorite things to talk about when we talk about clauses. The advance, the classic advance, right? You know, a traditional record contract, you would sign 
a deal. Sometimes it will have a set number of albums you're supposed to have in a deal. And it'll come with a certain amount of money that they give you. But it's not just a gift. It's an advance. And what is an advance? An advance is money they give you in advance. And an advance is a fancy word for a fucking loan. So if that artist said they signed a $5 million deal, they get them $5 million. They didn't just give it to them. They loaned them $5 million. And when they loan you that $5 million, that $5 million has to be recouped. And it has to be recouped via sales on your album. So until you make $5 million in album sales, you can't make any money off the album. And then it was standard for motherfuckers to really not have a, a good portion on their album sales in general. Like, if you got a $10 album, shit, most artists don't get more than 15% on the profits of, of each album. And like royalties, you're only really entitled to 15%. They own what's called your masters. Your masters or your intellectual property in general, like your publishing. You got two types of copyright, composition and your masters. Your masters is the sound recording the actual like sound recording the file and everything that composes of it and the composition is everything that composes the music the ideas of the song the melody the lyrics all of that shit so those are two types of publishing that you can get paid for labels will take that shit looking at stuff like that right it's like why the fuck would I want to sign to a label and that's when I said nah fuck that I want to be in controlling my own destiny so i want to know as much about the music business as possible and that's why i'm here to talk to y'all about that shit because we still got motherfuckers today who want to sign with labels and i'm gonna talk to y'all in my next episode about not doing that and to talk about what i call the long game and it's gonna be episode for everybody but that's a little tidbit little skitter scatter little pitter patter little tit tat about how i got into wanting to learn about music business and why I want to talk about that shit because I want to continue to fill y'all with ideas and to you know really get y'all mindset going and y'all mind working on being artists and about really owning your shit and owning your own destiny so last part of my preamble why the fuck do I want to talk about tech and to talk about that is to talk about how I got into tech and what interests me about tech so i'm gonna say it also starts with me you know being a nerd who obsesses over shit because that's what nerds do i would you know tweak things all sorts of you know electronics that i had lying around my phone laptop just play with stuff sometimes i break it <laughs> as motherfuckers inevitably do when they don't know what the fuck they doing i had a little droid and you know, little Android, and I would do what's called rooting, which is very similar to like jailbreaking, but way different. You can do way more when you root a device. Uh, and jailbreaking, like you can install apps on the side, rooting, you can change the whole system of the phone and shit. Very fun stuff. Uh, and that's how I originally got into even being interested in technology. So I started to learn about my phone. I started to learn about different versions of like software. I started to learn about the different phone manufacturers, like how they make the phones. I started to learn about economies of scale. 
you know, and it deeply interested me uh, to learn about that type of shit. Like, damn. So you mean to tell me if you do this, this happens, and this is what makes the phone do this, and this is why people buy it. And before you know it, I really started to study. Like I said, once I studied economies of scale, I really started to really look into the business aspect of why people make certain decisions in tech and why people decide they want to do certain things. And that sort of interest in psychology is what got me into tech. Give y'all a little example. I'm gonna talk about Amazon. I like to tell motherfuckers, Amazon is gangster. Why the fuck is Amazon gangster? Amazon is gangster for multiple reasons. One that I'm gonna start off with is that Amazon pays no taxes. Why doesn't Amazon pay any taxes? Well, on paper, Amazon makes no money. What Amazon does is, they're a corporation, and corporations, you know, are worth a certain amount of money, and they bring in a certain amount of money each quarter, or, you know, every now and again. And when they inevitably begin to pay out their shit, right? Because as a corporation, people pay shares. People who are their shareholders, they say, you know, I know we normally give y'all profits and shit. Most motherfuckers normally give y'all profits, but why don't we take a good portion of that and reinvest it back into the business instead of actually taking profit and giving that and passing that on to y'all? And they say, well, when we do that, your shares will actually be worth more. And so they say, damn, you can make my stock more valuable. So if I sell my shit off, I can get more bang for my buck. Oh, sure. I ain't got no problem with that. Do that shit, bro. Amazon says, bet. All right, nigga. So we're going to take this money. And it's the second part with a gangster. Because they ain't got no profits. Because they don't have any profits. And because they can use that profit to reinvest in their business. They say, okay, on our taxes, we ain't going to make no money. And on top of that, we're going to use this money to put it into businesses that have high barriers of entry. And so what does that mean? It means businesses that are particularly hard to get into. You know, different areas of business that are hard to get into. No matter if it's tech, whether it's healthcare, whether it's uh, making a toaster, some other shit. I imagine making a toaster isn't that hard. But you get the point. Things that are particularly hard for most motherfuckers to invest in and to really get off the ground and build a startup off of. So Amazon says, yo, this area that's brutal, let's take our money and funnel it into that. And everybody else that's in that space that'll normally struggle, we have the capital to outperform and outmaneuver these guys. We're way more flexible than them. And so we can take that and we can basically crush our competition and our competitors like that. <laughs> and so we can funnel so much money that we will out-resource our competitors and run them into the fucking ground. And then, shit, if they got assets and they got something valuable that we really needed to really be successful in the space, we're going to buy that shit up. Or if we don't need it, fuck it. And we already built it. And, you know, we just needed them out the way. Fuck it. We just let them crash. Now, that's fucking gangster. And then, on top of that, other parts of their gangster. They're like one of the largest marketplaces on the internet. So these motherfuckers can use that to their advantage, right? If Amazon wants to make a product or they want to 
sell a particular product from a company that they bought, they can use that, and they've gotten in trouble for this, to their advantage. They can say, hey, we want to promote our products. People who search for things, they don't like to go on the second and third page. Why don't we take our stuff and promote all the products we want to promote that'll give us better bang for our buck on our platform? And therefore, when we prioritize our shit, we make it harder for other motherfuckers to make a sale. And when their sales are difficult to make, and we're the largest platform, they're gonna suffer. And when they inevitably suffer, if we need that product, if it's very unique and we find a hard time trying to get that, we are going to buy that up. We're gonna buy that product up. Or, shit, we might buy the company up. Or if we didn't need it, and we just really didn't want to, you know, deal with them, like I said again, fuck them, they'll crash. And we can sell them on our own website. So, that kind of psychology and like decision making uh, that tech has, that is what deeply fascinates me. That and how it affects how we make decisions and how it influences our lives. And that type of shit is the type of shit that I want to talk about and the implications of how tech, you know, influences. And also, you know, what we can do to look at the way tech is moving and make better decisions about our lives. That's the kind of shit I want to get into on this podcast. And so, now we've reached the end of my first episode, man. My preamble. Tune in next time for the long game and what that means. And if you enjoyed this episode, keep listening. And if you didn't, we're going to tweak it because this is an experiment. King Sight out.